1: Cameron. It is nice to see you. What's going on? Oh my God, you guys. It is 97 degrees. It's hot outside and it's September. It is hot. What the hell? I
0: know I've told you this story a million times, but I actually feel like it gets warmer in California as you move into what is considered fall You're everywhere right. else. Yeah. Because the, fir- the last time I visited LA before moving here was end of October and it was 100 degrees in LA. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah.
0: So I feel like it's weird i don't know maybe mm-hmm. that's why they call it fire season now not fall <laughs>
1: <laughs> so sad. i don't know it's very hot it's very hot oh my gosh it really is but you know um i might just have to go visit somewhere to actual feel actually feel fall when i now i understand my friend courtney would always be like i love a, a jacket a coat all these things and eventually yeah. you do when it when the weather gets cold at night you do need it but like i'm a i'm a old lady, I go to bed at night. So yeah. So funny. We just celebrate you know, Evan, we celebrated both of my kids' birthdays. It was mm-hmm. a success. It was a outdoor event. And yes, it was. Every one of us has a burn, even me. And really? I ha- yes, on my back I have a little bit of a sunburn. Yeah, I mean it was so hot. It was very warm. The sun, but was- it was
0: fun. It was fun. It was. Cool really parties fun. are always fun.
1: And they were so. The kids were very happy. It was very sweet. Good. Um. Oh my gosh. Okay. So today, I am so <laughs> stoked with our new structure that we're using right now. So it's like rom com, and then
0: some kind of true crime story that but kind of fits into what the original rom crime idea Absolutely. was. Absolutely. And before we get started, I'm I don't know if she listens to this because. True crime is not her bag, but I got to give a shout out to my sister Lainey because she is the one that told me about the story, the crime story that I'm going to tell you.
1: Ooh, okay. And I had,
0: I had not heard of it.
1: Okay. well and I so, cannot wait because I don't know. You're surprising me. This is very exciting. Yeah. I am not surprising Averin. Averin knows that I am obsessed and loved, and she also loves, the movie mm. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. So good. So good. It came out in two thousand three, which was tw- almost twenty years ago. That's Isn't that insane. wild?
0: That is wild.
1: It's directed by a guy named Donald Petrie, who also directed a bunch of different rom coms, like Miss Congeniality or Ooh,
0: another good one. I love that one.
1: Grumpy Old Men.
0: Oh, so good.
1: I love that movie. It's so good. Cannot wait to cover that. Um, and and a couple other ones. It,
0: it holds up. I've watched it in the last yes. year. It holds up.
1: Oh I can't wait. He also yeah. he also did Mystic Pizza.
0: I never oh, watched that. Fun one. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah, I never saw it. So it's very eighties. You know, it's like remember like the constant conflict in all eighties movies in general, but definitely like the rom coms was like the preppies versus like the kids that were scrappy and didn't have rich parents. Had to work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, had to have jobs. Yeah. That's the central conflict in Mystic Pizza as well.
1: Ah, and you know mm-hmm. Julia Roberts is in that, so yeah. I will I will definitely see that. Okay, so we open. So this movie opens to this upbeat music, and you keep you see this like sort of weird like floating in montage of these magazine covers of Composure Magazine, and Ooh. it's this like it's supposed to be a famous magazine, probably like Cosmopolitan. Right. It's like fashion slash ragbag type thing, and we see Andy Anderson. a how-to columnist, (laughs) a how-to columnist, columnist. and you see her like testing out different things, like she's testing out a workout, she's testing out feng shui, and it's like all wacky, and she falls over, and it's a cute opening. Andy Anderson is played by Kate Hudson, who Mm -hmm. I think this might be some of her best work. I think comedies are her niche, and since she moved away from them, some of her... You know, I love you, Kate Hudson, but some of her hits are, some of her work is not as joyful to be involved in. She has that
0: like, she has that thing about her that's like, it just, it's a sunshiny thing. And so it's fun to watch her like really just tap into that. It's true. Also, this movie really goes hard with all of the rom com tropes. Like, of course, she works at a magazine and she's gorgeous, but she stuffs her face with like, Like burritos that falls down a
1: lot. (laughs) It's I know. I'm telling you. I also loved her in Almost Famous, but you know what I mean. It's that's the that's the Kate Hudson that I'm obsessed with. So this is I just love her. So yes, so she's in the in the composure headquarters talking to her work, Bestie Jeannie. And she's reading an article that she wrote. A how-to article, but it's how to bring peace to Tajikistan. So she wants she she wants to write about things that matter, like politics and the environment and foreign affairs, things that she's interested in. God damn it! And her <laughs> friend, her friend Jeannie's like, bitch, you know they're never gonna go for that here at this fashion gossip mag. But to cheer her up, she delivers two tickets to the basketball series final that some guy, somebody in somewhere was like. Blah gave you these two tickets, and she's so excited because she loves basketball because she's like right. a hot girl, but she's also like a sporty girl. Of course, she's like the perfect rom com lead. Yep, she's beautiful, smart, and loves sports, and she's just the full gosh darn package, you know. And I remember watching that and being like, Yeah, I like sports kind of too. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. um, I could do that. But suddenly, Andy remembers, Oh, their other work bestie is missing. And they go into action. They start grabbing beauty samples, a cashmere sweater, some coffee. And they arrive at the very florally decorated studio of Michelle. Michelle is depressed and heartbroken. She got ghosted by a guy she was dating for a week. She said, the first time I had sex, it was so beautiful, I cried. She told him she loved him on the second date. But she is inspired to get out of bed because of the cashmere, which I could totally understand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. By the way, she's played by Katherine Hahn, who is a goddamn comedic genius brilliant fucking actor actually she's she's all around and she she really legitimizes this movie for me i i was (laughs) after i watched this i was like i want to be her in every movie i will be the best friend like that she's wonderful so this is what andy says she's talking to her friend michelle she's like listen if the most beautiful woman in the world acted like you did any normal guy would still go running in the other direction and Michelle's like no no guy would go running from you Andy you could barf all over them and they would say do it again <laughs> but they barely make it they're they're just like running to the staff meeting and their boss Lana played by the delightful Bibi Newworth. she's so good
0: yeah she is love her I from love
1: frasier her. oh she's wonderful and in this meeting, their staff meeting, like where everybody kind of goes around talking about like what they're working on for the week. Andy pitches her Tajikistan how-to article and Lana also is like, hell no, you work at composer bitch, not Times Magazine. I'm paraphrasing. Of course. <laughs> That's not a direct quote? No. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meeting, the team finds out that Michelle was dumped because she didn't have her assignment ready. And everybody's like, "Oh," And her boss asks her to write about it which she refuses to do so. And so Lana, the boss, asks someone else, okay, who can use Michelle's hardship, you know, as a story? And to, sh- to save Michelle from an eager, cunty coworker, Andy volunteers to write a how-to, like, without directly using Michelle's personal story, but showing the things, all the things that women do to push men away. BB, I, I mean, Lana, says, I love it, how to lose a guy in 10 days, Go. And Andy asks, why 10 days? Because five is too short, and we go to press in 11. So it's, like, yeah. just, like, we're, you know, so, like, magazine. We're I love on top it. top of this. So now we got to find the guy, right? Well, yeah. we cut to, like, the other side of town, or really, who knows, maybe it could have been a couple blocks away. This place takes – it takes – this play? No. This is – this film takes place in New York City. Of course. And we see a gorgeous Ben Barry. Advertising executive played by Matthew McConaughey pulling up to the ad building on his motorcycle. And yeah, you could tell he's like a bad guy. He weaves in and out of traffic. And I'm like, you go, Ben Barry. Ben
0: Barry and Andy Anderson. I know. my God, guys. Like, let's – we could try a little harder with
1: character names. I know it. Well, he – as he gets off his bike, he sees one of his coworkers – and it's a lady named Judy, and apparently her partner's named Judy, so they call them the Judys, which are his, like, rivals. And they are they're kind of bitchy, like, model ladies. They're like, we do luxury. We take care of all the luxury. Ben does all the beer and sporty things. So Ben had this pitch, or he had, like, a tip that the Delowers, which are these it's, – it's actually based on a real thing – I can't remember exactly what the na- what the people's names were. I think a DeBauer is the real one, but the Delowers are the people who rule the diamond market. Okay, they basically hold all the diamonds and like disperse is it De Beards? them. DeBeards? <laughs> that could be. I don't know.
0: Why? Well, why don't know why? I feel like that's like a name in diamonds that feels right. That could be. Well, it's... I might have just made it up.
1: Too. In this one, it's DeLauer's. In um, real life, I guess it was kind of scandalous because they were making diamonds seem more unattainable by holding back stock. Oh. Anyways, that's a, that's a, for another podcast, I think. <laughs> so Warren, Ben's boss, gave the Judys the DeLauer's pitch. And... Ben is like, yo, wait, this was my tip. What the hell? He brought it into the agency. So they were supposed to have dinner, a dinner meeting, and he shows up. He's already there when the Judys and Warren, his boss, are here. And he's like, this should be my pitch. I brought it to the agency. To, like, wrap it up kind of quickly, he says, selling a diamond to a woman is like falling in love. The skills required to market a diamond are the skills to make a woman fall in love. So the game is set. Mm -hmm. So the idea is – If he can make a woman fall in love with him in 10 days, then his boss will give him the pitch. By the way, the Judy's previously, when they were waiting outside, were on their way to Composure Magazine to have a meeting with Lana about who the hell knows what. But within that meeting, Andy, bumbling Andy, is is walking by and um, Lana's like, hey, this is our resident how-to girl. You should hear what she's writing about. It's how to lose a guy in 10 days. So the, so the Judys know, like, what's up. Right. And they're at this restaurant and Ben Barry is like, you can choose whoever it is for me to fall in love with. I will fall, they will fall in love with me in 10 days. And they, of course, you know, pick Andy Andy Anderson's looking for her mark in the same restaurant. She's like that one. He's like, it's done. It's gonna go down. They're gonna be amazing. Of course, he goes up to her. They have an adorable meet cute. They're like leaving now. Okay. So they leave together and to get on like the motorcycle. She's a little bit like not thrilled, but gets on it they go to dinner it's like a magical dinner she's actually being real and they have a really good time they she talks about her journalism and what she wants to do with her life and he's adorable and cute as matthew mcconaughey you know whatever and also they end up at his studio which is like so nice i'm just like new york city movie apartments are just so not real it's fine. I know. It's mean, actually. Yeah. And she's in the bathroom in his apartment. It's back in the 2003 where people used to have those, like, multiple CD players, you know, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. You could see through it. I had, like, 10 CDs playing. <laughs> and he puts on, it's getting hot in here, so take off all your – and he's like, oh, wait, no, I'm trying to sell diamonds, love. Mm. And then he's like. Changes it to, let's stay together, you know, or whatever that song is. Right. Yeah. And she comes out. She's, you know, she was on the phone with her girlfriend. (laughs) He plays hard to get. Not hard to get, but she gets on the bed like, come on, let's do this. She's about to, like, sort of play the game that way. And he sits back onto the the cabinet thing or whatever and pats the cabinet to come sit by her. Now, they get kind of hot and heavy, but they did not have sex, right? Okay. So... She leaves her purse. Of course. Which is a very strategic move because she wants him to call. And she had left those two basketball tickets to the the semifinals, which is a huge thing. And, of course, he goes with her to the game. It's awesome. He's kind of, he's actually liking her. She's really loving the sports or the basketball, the sports. Um, the sports ball is so fun. She's just like, yay. <laughs> but you, but then she remembers that what she's supposed to do, supposed to be doing. So she starts to basically just torture him so much so that he doesn't see the end of the game. It kind of begins there. And the next day she calls him at work. She's like, it's me. I miss you, Benny, boo-boo, boo-boo, boo And she gets him to go to Sleepless in Seattle with her. She gets in a fight with that a big dude, like a big, sweet, sensitive dude who just wants to watch goddamn sleeplessly in Seattle in oh, right. peace. But she won't shut the hell up. And he didn't. He doesn't say this, but he's like, put a muzzle on your dog. He didn't really say that, but it was like that kind of thing. And she's like, my boyfriend will kick your ass. Right. Ben Barry endures all sorts of shenanigans because he also wants to win, right? Mm-hmm. So the next strategic move that Ben's doing is he's making the lamb dinner. Like this is the thing that just I guess makes all the girls' panties drop, or maybe mm-hmm. hearts explode open with love. <laughs>
0: yes, and thoughts of diamonds. And,
1: and it looks really good. What woman could resist a man that cooks for her? She comes over and kind of moves in, like she brings a ton of stuff, shit. Like so, that's the move on her part. Is like. a a mistake women make is, like, moving in too quickly. So she has, like, tampons. She put a bunch of, like, stuffed bears everywhere. She changes the comforter. I mean, it's, like, absolutely nuts. And then she gives him a love fern their love, Fern, for him to take care of. Which, by the way, ferns are really... Hard. I just killed one recently.
0: Yeah, I'm terrible with plants. Oh,
1: it makes me sad. I just love mm-hmm. them. They make me happy to be around. But yeah, I think I water things too much because I just want to give people love. And Yeah,
0: I think I do that too. So we're smothering our plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. With love. <laughs> so the dinner comes out and the basketball game is on. So the idea was that they were going to have this beautiful meal and watch basketball front row, baby. And she starts crying. And she's like... <laughs> Yeah, we had a little lamb, and she says she's vegetarian, which she is not vegetarian. You know, we see her eating meat throughout the whole thing, and so for, then forces him to go to a restaurant like a like a vegetarian restaurant. kind of silly. It's sort of sad. I mean, it's right caricature of it. But she runs. She keeps running to the back in the kitchen with the kitchen guys and watching the game. So she's get you know torturing him in that way. Then they go back to his place and she acts like a crazy person. This is one of my favorite scenes, honestly. If you guys haven't watched this movie in a while, it's on Peacock right now, streaming. Oh, cool. So if you have Peacock, it's free. It's the funniest scene. She starts talking about his penis. They start kind of making out and she names his penis and says, does Princess Sophia want to come out to play? And he's like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, who's Princess Sophia? And she points down to his penis. He's like, da da da, da And she goes, little big, little big. I don't know, we will find out. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it's the greatest. It's <laughs> it's just
0: like truly like any man would go running. I, yeah, exactly. Other. Like, Princess Sophia.
1: I know, home? I know. But you know what? That's the thing that women do that I think men not, not don't necessarily like, but He's like, if you're going to name it some, something, name it like something hardcore, like Kroll, the warrior king, and then he loses his heart on it and she leaves. <laughs> the next day, she comes to work and meets his two other teammates, on the teammates on his team, which I assume just because I work in advertising, I think if he's a, an account executive, those two must be a cop. They're creatives for sure. One is a copywriter. One is an art director. Um, and she looks at them and she's like, they don't look so simple-minded. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. And she has a present for Mr. Ben Barry, which is the, this was all the rage in the early 2000s, but the Chinese Crested. Remember those dogs oh, that are yes.
0: like. <laughs> oh my God. Aren't they like hairless?
1: They're hairless in their body, but they're. Except for they have like good, got the white tuff. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. And so, yeah, she brings, she also brings him some clothes. They're all in Burberry. And later on <laughs> at night, she makes him an album with like. I mean, it's kind of psycho. She cuts fi- their pictures out, their faces out, and puts them like their wedding photo oh and my God. like them as a family, and this and that. It's just like moving too fast, too soon. Which right. some She's women basically do. Basically,
0: like I mean, I would I would argue that most women don't do any of the things that she does in this. But right. she has a job to do. She has to get him to be like, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. It's quickly. like and finding those typical things that like some women do. You're too just too familiar too soon, I guess. I don't know. Right. Or just try to make things too serious too soon. Yes, exactly. And there's a call on his his landline. He has a landline because it's 2003 not everybody has cell phones yet. And it's his mom. And he's like so relieved to talk to her because Andy is acting nuts. And he's like, oh, yeah, she's right here. So she had gone behind his back and gotten these pictures from his mom. And and they have a conversation. She's like, I love you. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, yeah. And he's like, so you and my mom talk. He's like, it's the first time you see him kind of like this is – it perturbed him because, you know, it's personal.
0: Right. And like maybe this woman is going to murder me. Yeah. Something.
1: I mean, that's what I would be thinking for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I have the book to prove it. Mm. And the next evening, she crashes their boys poker night. The kind of the thing I think is really interesting about this movie is it really is in ten days. It's like in real time. You or not real time, right. but you know you see it because the to- the clock is ticking for uh for the ten both days. Of them. Yeah, for yeah. both of them. And she crashes the boys night and she acts like a nut job. She makes him blow his nose by putting a Kleenex up to his face. She's like, blow. Nobody likes a Mr. Sniffles.
0: Right, so now she's acting like his mom, which is, I'm sure, a move she thinks that some women do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> As she's just like putzing around and the guys are just trying to have a guy's night, drink you know, drinking their drinks and having their stogies. She finds out that the love fern is dying because Don, the love fern is dying, and she makes a <laughs> absolute scene. And he meets her at the door outside and he's like, what happened? Where? Where's the cool, sexy, smart woman I knew? The one who wanted to be a serious journalist. She's like, so I guess this is over, I guess. And she's relieved. She's like, "Right, finally, for God's sake. But guess what? This dude is not giving up. One of his buddies at the thing was like, like, every time my wife wants to divorce me, I, I suggest couples therapy. And then...
0: They go to couples therapy after dating for six days or something? Yeah,
1: exactly. And Catherine <laughs> Hahn... Michelle pretends to be the therapist. Great scene. Amazing. Yeah. At the end of that it's determined that they're going to go out to Staten Island to meet his family. That's the answer. Okay. This is where we all really truly fall in love with Ben Barry cuz he's a great uncle, he's a great son, a great brother. You could just tell he, and the family. This is what makes this movie a little like more legit than some B rom-coms is that you know you you have good actors, the mom's hilarious, everybody's just So great. They're playing a game of bullshit, which I used Mm -hmm. to play when I was little.
0: Yeah, It's like you
1: have, you know, you put down a certain amount of cards and you're like three aces. And if somebody has two aces in their hand, they're like, bullshit, yeah. And so then you have to pick up the cards or the whole deck or whatever it is. Right. And she plays and the two of them are like can read each other really well. And they're like, well, Ben, they all have, they're all from the south. That's how they explain Matthew McConaughey's accent. They're like, well, Ben, I think you found your match. So it's really, really cute. Then there's the scene of them. He's teaching her how to ride the motorcycle. They stop for ice cream. A big-ass truck rolls by and goes into a puddle, and they both get soaking wet and dirty. And so the next thing they must do is shower off in their parents' home. It's my favorite scene. It's the sexy bathroom scene. She says, I love everything. about This is where it gets, like, serious. You know, she's not playing. She's not pretending. She's not pushing anymore. She's like, I love everything about this house, the noise, the smells. And he asks her, like, what's wrong? What is wrong? She says that when your mom hugged me, she, like, really hugged me for win- winning a game of bullshit. And he's like, that's a good thing. And they they, like, genuinely kiss. The music – is really good it's that song it feels like home to me as they take each other's clothes
0: off amazing that was like a song that was like always on like Dawson's Creek and any good like true love moment in a story feels like home to me
1: something in your eyes makes me wanna lose myself makes me wanna lose myself There's something in your voice That makes my heart beat fast
0: Hope this feeling lasts
1: 20 year old Vanya was like damn mm, I want to feel like home with someone um (laughs) it's a sweet scene but side note Kate Hudson was 23 and Matthew McConaughey was 33 at the time I guess 10 years is not that big of a difference but it's kind of when you think about it yeah it's gross it's when you really and it's a little creepy. yeah so they come back to the city right and Mm -hmm. he invites her it's you know what I think is also interesting? So this is more in like the costume or hair design, I guess. Before, she always had her hair blown out. But after the shower, she has her hair curly and like – Right,
0: natural.
1: Yeah, she's a little more herself.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. this beautiful
1: scene where he's dropping her off at, at her apartment, which he hadn't seen yet. And he wants her to come to the DeLauer party as his girlfriend. Oh. And I, he means it. He really means it. So the game is getting a little out of hand, I think. I think he's actually falling for her. And the next day, Andy goes to her boss, Lana, and tells her she can't write the article because she obviously is into him too. And Lana's like, I don't care. I want copy on my desk in 48 hours. You're going to do it because you're professional. So they go to the event, and Andy wears the famous yellow satin dress Mm -hmm. that we see on the cover. It's so gorgeous. Uh, cover the you know the poster of the movie at the party she reveals to ben's boss that she does love him not you know he can tell by the way she's looking at him and they have a bit of a conversation and he's like oh you do l- love him and then she finds out that he's been playing this game the whole time and she is pissed off oh my god <laughs> She's so mad. She They sing a hilarious, uh, you know, you're so vain. And Miss yes. DeLauer is played by this wacky actress who's just like, oh, this is a wonderful song for me. It <laughs> so funny. <laughs> the next day she hands in her article. So she did get it done. But she quits because she's a serious writer and wants to write about politics, poverty, and eco- the economy and different things. Bibi Newarth is just like, Honey, it's this this composure magazine. We're not going to get political. So she's uh, she's basically she says, "Thank you for this opportunity and thank you for making it easy for me to turn down." Right. Which I think is such a thing that we all need to think about. You know, sometimes when we lose things or sometimes when things are hard and you're kind of forced into something, it's kind of Usually the right way to go. Anyways, I I like that. Now Andy is the sad one at Michelle's house and they're (laughs) just talking about what went wrong and the basketball game they were supposed to go to and there's a knock on the door. It is the guy that Michelle dated for a week. He's back, baby, and he loves her. And I think it just shows that you can act crazy and still have a guy come back to you. It just may take a couple of days. Just definitely cry a lot during sex and tell him you love him. And call 20 so, times. Wh- where does he say where he went? He sa- well, the thing is, he says that, hit her. remember when you put perfume on my pillowcase? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not there anymore, and I miss it. Aww. Yeah. And so that's kind of what... So her psycho move worked. (laughs) Yeah, she did. She's like, I'm still here, but even though I'm not here. So she goes and leaves with him. They make out hardcore. Then good old Benny boy comes to his goddamn senses. And he's like, where's Annie? She's not at work. Well, she left for Washington for an interview to be a real journalist, because that's the only place apparently you can go be a real journalist. And He chases after her with their dying love fern. Like he picks it up off her desk because she left it on her desk. <laughs> and he's on his bike, motorcycle, and he's like racing for her cab that's on her way on the way to the airport. He makes the cab pull over on the the freaking George W. Bridge. Like, that would never, Oh, my you know. God. Why don't you save your mind games for your next bet, she says. And he's like, where are you going? She's going, I'm going to Washington for an interview. Because you can't write here. You can't have a, a, you know, a serious career here. And he's like, that's bullshit. Bullshit. You're running away. And she's like, you calling my bluff? Well, you know, know, it's pretty sweet. She doesn't go to the interview, guys. Sorry, spoiler alert. I guess this whole thing is a spoiler. But <laughs> yeah, she she doesn't go. They ride off on their motorcycle. I think the thing that for me that makes this so good is it is put together well, mm-hmm. but it is Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson's chemistry. For
0: sure. Because if I were to just describe to you what you just described at the end as like a woman who finally stood up for like what she wanted to do, then a man is like, no, you're just scared of our love. And she gives up everything and they ride
1: off into the sunset. And it's like crazy. You're like,
0: you, wait, she didn't go to the interview?
1: I mean. That is crazy. Well, he, he does say you can write anywhere, which is right, true. Right, which is true. Yeah. But
0: just like if you like strip it down. Yeah. Wild. Absolutely. So there you go, guys. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Yeah, we're going to title this episode based on both that story and the one I'm going to tell you how to lose a guy, a career, and then another guy in one interview. Oh, my God. So, Vanya, the story I'm going to tell you that ties into kind of some of the same themes as How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is the story of Christy Smythe and Martin Shkreli, uh, a.k.a. the Pharma Bro. And b- most of what I'm going to tell you, other than some of the info about Shkreli himself, just so people know who he is in case they don't, comes from an L magazine article. That was That came out in December of 2020. And it was written by... um A journalist named Stephanie Clifford. And it's basically a profile of another journalist who has fallen in love with the Pharma Bro. But in case you don't know who Pharma Bro is, Martin Shkreli was um, a hedge fund manager and the CEO of a couple of pharmaceutical firms. One was Retrofin. The other one was Turing Pharmaceuticals. He became infamous overnight when his company, Turing, acquired Daraprim, a drug that's used to treat AIDS patients. And hiked the price. From $13.50 a pill to $750 a pill. And because the patent had expired on this particular drug, there is no generic version of it. It is the only form of this medication that exists. So immediately he becomes like the world's worst villain overnight. A perfect example of like big pharma and the greed that's there. Even fucking Donald Trump, you guys. (gasps) said that he seemed like a spoiled brat and a bad person. Oh, wow. Just saying. (laughs) Because this was all happening, like, in the lead up, I think, to the election. But even Donald Trump wasn't like, that's capitalism, guys. You just got to play the game. You know, he's like, you seem like an asshole. So that's (laughs) just to give you an idea of, like, how schmucky this dude is. Okay. So everything else that I will share with you now comes from this article in Elle magazine. So Christy Smythe was a Missouri native who worked at Bloomberg News covering the Brooklyn Federal Courts. So she was a reporter who specifically covered like cases happening in Brooklyn Federal Court. It was a high-pressure job, but Christy was awesome at it. Um, She was also married to her longtime love, Devin, and the two of them lived together in Brooklyn with their rescue dog. And according to Christy in this article, the couple loved to cook, they loved to walk the puppy, and they liked to go on litter Pub crawls, which I look I looked up just to be like, I I know what that is, but do I know what that is? Yes, you know what that is. You like go to famous super old bars where like authors wrote stuff oh. and you like do a little walking tour. Oh, but I yeah. was like, wow, how Brooklyn, you guys. How Brooklyn at all. <laughs> so In 2015, while working for Bloomberg News, one of Christie's sources told her that a man named Martin Shkreli was under investigation for securities law violations. Now, at this time, like part in time, Christie doesn't actually know who Shkreli is um, because this was before he became infamous and everybody knew who he was. Um, So a few people knew about it. And so she called him up about to like basically ask for a comment on this investigation into him she expected him to answer with the standard no comment but instead he like full-on like yelled at her on the phone and told her she had no idea what she was talking about (laughs) and she was like all right you're rude and he hangs up and so she goes ahead and publishes her story about it but because nobody really knows anything about him it's not much ripple effect there, right? So, article's out. She's officially, like, covering this investigation for Bloomberg News, but no one really gives a shit yet. So, later, in the fall, when Shkreli becomes the supervillain overnight as the farmer bro, after that all happens and he becomes, like, this person that is, like, the most hated person in America, Christy learns from her source again that that investigation into him was moving forward and that he was about to be arrested. So, she herself actually broke the story. She was the first journalist who broke the story that Farmer Bro, the supervillain, Martin Shkreli, was was going to be arrested for securities fraud. And the internet exploded. A month after his bond hearing, Shkreli called Christy Smythe. She calls her. And he said that he should have listened to her when she had called him before. And he was like, you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. He's like, I should have listened to you because I didn't know what I was talking about. And you knew that I was being investigated. So, As a result of this phone call, Christy wrangles an in-person meeting with him a few days later. And when Shkreli showed up for their meeting, he gave her this whole spiel about only wanting to talk off the record. And then he showed her all these spreadsheets showing her how ultimately all of his investors' holdings were paid back. And then this is a direct quote. You could see his earnestness, Christy said. It just didn't match this idea of a fraudster. So already... She's starting to, like, have a different vibe from this guy who, by all accounts that anyone else has seen, which is a lot of people, this is not a good guy. But she's like, hmm, you're so earnest and sad. (laughs) Um, And so after this initial meeting, he, like, fucks with her on and off, promising her an on-the-record interview and then giving it to one of her competitors. But – Christy, knowing that the story was ongoing, remains cordial um, because she had now sole responsibility at Bloomberg News for covering everything Martin Shkreli. So she's pissed and annoyed, but also, like, nice to him still because she wants that interview.
1: Right.
0: All right. So then one night when Christy called him for a comment about something she was working on, there was a shift in the vibe between the two of them. He told her he needed a new lawyer and he wanted her advice. And she felt flattered that he wanted her help. He sounded ragged and fragile, and Christie feared that he may try to die by suicide. Oh my. So she was really worried and she kind of talked him through it, offered some advice, but work still came first for this woman. So she went ahead and wrote um, an obituary for him just in case he did off himself. (laughs) Christy continues trying to get an on the record profile of Shkreli. And eventually they agree and meet at a wine bar near his apartment. They bond over their mutual struggles with anxiety and they connected over how they had both succeeded in competitive fields without Ivy league degrees. Still, Even though they have this, like, wonderful, seemingly, like, nice time together, he still manages to mess with her, offering her a scoop and then ghosting her for weeks. Just a lot of just, like, he's toying with her, right? Oh, yeah. Boat show. In 2017, Christy decides that she wants to write a book about Martin Shkreli, like a a biography or a memoir. In the spring of 2017, Shkreli invites Christy to a talk that he's giving at Princeton University because she's writing this book about him now. So he's like, you can come with me. And he even mentioned like mentions her specifically when he makes a bad lawyer, or a bad journalist joke um, to the crowd. And so she's like, oh, my God, he mentioned me in his talk here. Um, And after the talk, they go to a pub with all the students and as all of the kids that are. I don't know why they're so excited by this dude, but they're like surrounding him and asking him all these questions. And she's marveling at how animated he is and excited and engaged. Um, And then she recalls in the L interview that when Martin left the group to go to the bathroom, all of the questions and attention turned to her because she was there with him. And she says, quote, it almost felt like I was a political wife. So before I continue on with like the story, what I feel like we see happening here is a woman who has like a pretty solid life, right? Before she meets this guy. The drama of all of this, which only continues to, like, go up and up and up as his story becomes, you know, more and more well-known, she gets brought kind of into it. She's not no longer on the outside. And I think she's, like, kind of loving being a part of his drama. Right. So she doesn't ever say that in the article. But I'm like, why else would you describe yourself as, like, a political wife when a bunch of drunk college kids now want to talk to you about the worst man in America? Right. So – Christie is now at court every single day through the month of June in 2017 at Shkreli's trial. She's not covering it for Bloomberg News at the moment because she's on book leave. So she's there just for her book. She went every day because she wanted to find out who his core people were, people who could be a valuable source when writing the book. Keeping up with his biggest douchebag on the planet appearances, Shkreli's antics are on full display at trial. Like he rolls his eye because everything's you can watch it all. He rolls his eyes at testimony given against him. He tells reporters that the prosecutors were junior varsity Um, every day after court. He would live stream himself in his apartment playing with his cat. And like, weird. He bought one a one reporter, a female reporter, I think it was like Emily Sowell, like said something negative about him. So he bought the domain name, like emilysowell.com, and offered to sell it for like $1,000 so for, people could just like fuck with her name. And as a result of that, he gets like barred from speaking to reporters, period. And then, what a jerk. In the article, Christie's take on all of this behavior. She says he trolls because he's anxious. He really, really wants to be somebody. Like, what? Like, that's an excuse? She's
1: being brainwashed.
0: She's now defending him publicly, all while touting how much access she has to him while trying to sell her book, right? So she's defending him in public. She's also like, look how tight we are trying to get people to buy her book. Um, And then in August of 2017, Shkreli was convicted of three of the eight counts he was charged with. And his sentencing hearing was scheduled for January of 2018. So he's now been found guilty, but we're not going to know how much time in prison because it's a white collar type crime, right? So he's not being held in prison. Um, And immediately after he... Finds out that he's guilty. He starts bragging like on the record and, you know, what? from his, his camera phone or whatever that he's going to do minimal, if any, jail time. All right. So now we cut. This is a direct quote from the article. He's just using you is what Christie's husband had been telling her. He told her that again after she got off um, a late night call with Shkreli uh, one night and she turned around, you know, so she gets off the phone with this guy, not her husband. That's super late at night. And he's like, he's just using you. And she's like, for What? Their argument escalates. Her husband thought she was risking her career by getting sucked into this bad person. She thought her husband was trying to micromanage her career. They scheduled a session with a marriage counselor. Oh,
1: no. Couples therapy. (laughs) Much like
0: uh, Andy and Ben. Yeah, a couple's therapy. So in September of 2017, in another one of his antics, Shkreli offers his online followers $5,000 for a strand of Hillary Clinton's hair. Now, I don't... Yeah, exactly right. So his lawyer is like trying to defend him, being like, you know, that's just his bad boy, like his he's a bad dude, like he's got he's uncouth and he's gross, but it's not illegal. And um, the prosecutors filed a motion saying, no, we need him to be held in jail until his sentencing hearing because he's like trying to stoke the fires and flames of, you know, anti-Hillary Clinton stuff. And the judge agreed with him, and so he is then out of nowhere in September, where he wasn't even supposed to have his hearing until January. Tossed into jail. The book having not really sold or having garnered any interest, uh, Christy is back covering all things Martin Screlly for Bloomberg. One of the examples of how things are starting to unravel professionally in terms of like her ability to understand like what's appropriate for a journalist and what's not, she is signed when she finds out about him being put in prison to await sentencing while she is filing her story on this for the Bloomberg News. She is at the same time arranging for someone to go pick Shkreli's cat up from his apartment and to get him his medication. So she's simultaneously, like, tending to his needs and then acting as an unbiased reporter.
1: Bizarre.
0: Yes. uh Uh-huh. So the night that he was thrown in jail, she just couldn't sleep. Like, him being in in jail just, just really hit her hard. And she physically hurt knowing that he was in a jail cell. And she knew that she was feeling something more, you guys, than just a journalist source relationship. Duh. I mean. So Christy starts pressing Martin Shkreli to allow her to visit him in prison, and he finally agrees to a November date. When the day arrived, she didn't know what he liked, so she spent $30 on snacks from the vending machine and brought it all in. When they saw each other, they hugged and sat down and talked about his time in jail so far. After their hour-long visit, she hightails it out of there to the couple's counseling session with her husband, which she arrived 52 minutes late to their one-hour-long appointment because she refused to move her visitation with Shkreli, and her husband refused to reschedule their counseling session. So she shows up 52 minutes late. Like, how bad for this woman's husband do you feel?
1: Bad. Very bad.
0: I mean, my God. Now we get to the sentencing hearing. And during sentencing, prosecutors point to emails exchanged while in prison between Shkreli and someone that they call Individual One. And these emails prove that he has zero remorse for any of the things that he did that have put him in jail. And that he specifically said, you know, that he was going to do whatever it took to get out of spending any time in jail. And um, the judge, as a result of these emails, sentences him to seven years in prison, which is he he is currently about halfway through his seven year stint in prison. So immediately recognizing in the emails that she was individual one, Christy, (sighs) she knows now she's part of the story and can no longer cover it. So she alerts Bloomberg News and she has switched to covering different cases. With Shkreli in jail, Christy becomes like she takes on the role of his advocate. She defends him on Twitter. She trolls reporters that like say bad things about him. And in the summer of 2018, her editor brought her into a conference room at Bloomberg headquarters Waiting there was an HR rep. Christy had already been given a couple of warnings to stop tweeting about Shkreli and stop, like, talking about him. And her boss told her in this meeting that her behavior was biased and unprofessional. And she told them that she understood their concerns and she quit her job on the spot. So rather than being like, I will be reprimanded and I will stop, I will stop. She just quits her job. So. (laughs) So At home. I know, right? This is all so crazy. At home, the stress over... Shkreli and her now undetermined future as a journalist it exacerbates the problems in her marriage, which she's clearly not spending much time working on. And the couple had been considering divorce for a while and they decided to go ahead and uh, end their marriage. And then I'm just saying this, I really hope that in the divorce that her husband got to keep the dog, the apartment and everything else wonderful that they had in their lives and, and jurisdiction over all of the literary public. Yeah. <laughs> because my goodness. So at this point in time, you know, Getting divorced, all this stuff, no job. Christie had been visiting Shkreli in prison for months. Um, like she would take the bus to Jersey. Then when he got transferred to Pennsylvania, she, who used to have anxiety attacks when driving, got herself a new license and bought a car so she could drive to visit him. So she's like, she's having some, she's she's got some, she's like really into this dude. All right. Yeah. So um, she's been visiting him for months at this point. He told her that she was one of the only people that he allowed to visit him. They talked about everything. Um, Shkreli was thinking he might run for office or start a podcast don't do it Shkreli no (laughs) more podcasts or start a podcast when he got out of prison and this is a direct quote that to me I was just like oh my god this woman like she needs some like not like there's like medication issues but like she needs to talk to someone someone needs to like write her sense of right and wrong and up and down and normalcy because this is a direct quote from her that belief in himself although it may seem delusional at times it draws you in. I don't know if everything he was saying was true, but maybe, like, 1% is. And that's awesome on its own. Three! That's not awesome. Like, a man spouting a bunch of crazy bullshit that might be, like, 1% true, and that 1% is awesome. I was like, oh, you have been, like, gaslit by this man somehow.
1: Completely. So,
0: shortly after she quit her job at Bloomberg and... um. She's at another visit with Shkreli. She's complaining to him about the rejection of her book, like how the establishment is against him. And because they're against him, they're against her because people only wanted a negative portrait of him. And she wanted to show the world the side that she saw, that, like the kind, you know, earnest, anxious person. And Shkreli was, you know, I totally get your frustration. <sighs> you know, I think I'm awesome. And because she now had no husband, no job, and no book deal, she thought, fuck it. And she told Shkreli in that visitor's room that she loved him. And he told her that he loved her, too. Oh. She asked if she could kiss him, and he said yes. And then in the article, it literally says, the room smelled of chicken wings, she remembers. Ew! <laughs> <laughs> i just love like that was the quote from this that apparently uh, most people actually other than me had in fact heard about this article and because of that direct quote like the room smelled of chicken wings she remembered huh. so they couldn't really do more than hug and a chaste like quick peck here and there but regardless their relationship progressed christy said it was hard to think of a time when i felt happier he asked if he could call her his girlfriend. And naturally, they started talking about their future. They discussed what their kids' names would be in prenuptial agreements, because, you know, romance. <laughs> um, when Christy expressed concern that by the time he got out of jail, she might be too old to have kids, he suggested that she freeze her eggs. So she did. So she's got her eggs frozen waiting on ice for when Shkreli gets out. Now, because, you know... We're moving into COVID times, guys. And because of COVID safety measures, Christy has not been able to visit Shkreli since February of 2020. Remember, this article came out in December. Yeah. So um, Shkreli, as a lot of prisoners did, tries to get an early release because of COVID, because he's a nonviolent criminal. And in a statement uh, by his lawyers when requesting this release, um, they refer to Christy as his fiancée, whom he would live with if he got out. Uh, she also wrote a letter saying that she would, you know, like be responsible for him and all that stuff. Uh, but his request was denied because everyone hates this dude. Yeah. But still, here's the kicker, Von. His lawyers call her fiance. She's freezing her eggs. They've got a life plan and prenuptial agreements drawn up and stuff like that. But when Martin Shkreli found out that Christy was doing this interview that I'm getting all of this from with Elle magazine about their relationship... He's straight up ghosted her, you guys. He's stopped returning calls, emails, and she's not heard from him since he found out she was doing this article. (sighs) Hence, how to lose a guy, a career, and then another guy in one interview. So, when the magazine reached out to Shkreli for a comment about the article, his lawyer sent them this statement, which is just, it's so cold. Mr. Shkreli wishes Miss Smythe the best of luck in all her future endeavors. That's all he has to say about their relationship and this is the final line from the actual article that i just thought it actually kind of made me feel so sad for this woman sitting in her basement apartment her eyes wet her voice quivering she says she will continue to wait for him while he serves the remaining years of his sentence i'm gonna try she says i'll be here but i mean just like that set like setting like sitting in her (sighs) basement apartment you know she used to have this wonderful life and a a husband and a career that she was wanted so badly and was passionate about. And so why I thought this tied in perfectly with how to lose a guy in 10 days is like the mutual, what's the, what's the motive here for Shkreli to start this relationship? What's the motive for her to tell the world about it? And also like Mm -hmm. the journalist, you know, like two people playing a game that syncs up for a time and then doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that based on what the, the, woman who wrote the articles kind of says as she's writing throughout is that she finally thinks she's understands the motive for Christie, that she wants their love story to be on record. She wants that power. She wants the world to know that it did happen in case he ghosts her or like disappears, did like that the world will know that this was real, not just something that she was like making up in her head. Oh, yeah. And then as a result of that, of wanting to like kind of, I, I don't know, maybe like stick them together indefinitely. He, like, no longer wants to speak to her as a result of it. So it was, like, total self-destruction. So it's not a crime crime like a murder crime, but he was a criminal. And I think we can call someone falling in love with a criminal a rom crime. Oh, hell yeah. But just to throw it all away. And I will post pictures of Martin Shkreli. It's not like this is some dream boat, y'all. And he's also like the worst, most selfish, greedy bastard on the planet.
1: Right. No, I can't wait <laughs> so to see. So that's my story. Oh, that's that my is story. Amazing. Bonnie. Very good job. I um I'd love to read the article as well.
0: We'll put a link to the article. Yeah. But it really like kind of worked out. It was like two people. One is a journalist, one is like, I don't know, a schemer, yeah. which I feel like they kind of set up Matthew McConaughey to be like, you can't get a keep a woman because you're like a player and you're always on and you know and it's like two people are like i can change everything about my life or who i am for this to make this story happen and then it ultimately just destroyed this poor journalist so i did then google obviously just to see and there was something that came out i want to say in june of 2021 that said that that the two are corresponding again like via email they still haven't seen each other because of covid and all that stuff i don't know they didn't go into the details of what the correspondence is and who knows guys in a weird way like if he gets out of jail in three or four years time now and these two end up together part of me will feel happy for her that at least it was for wasn't for nothing
1: yeah but i
0: also i also feel like you don't want to spend your life with a guy who plays games and treats people the way this guy does
1: i feel like she must have had some sort of a head trauma Or, or or really got um brainwashed or it's like what I don't yeah what was it that made her so into him
0: I was like she really really I mean you know what she I think what happened was and again I have no degree in psychology but I feel like there is something about when somebody who is almost all the time just horrible Mm -hmm. like his out his public persona is horrible. He's horrible to her a lot of the times, but he showed her like a little bit of vulnerability and fear and realness and, and instead of just being like, okay, well, everybody has that unless they're a full-blown like psychopath or sociopath, yeah. she allowed the fact that he showed her that to like make her really feel that, the real story about who he was wasn't there and she wanted to get to tell the world about this guy that he never even really showed her he was it's like the little snippets of asking her for help I buy that or or admitting that he has anxiety and that you know all this stuff like that she just she took those little nuggets and she built a real full nice wonderful man out of them yeah And, I mean, just crazy, right?
1: Wasn't that wild? I
0: buy it. So that's the the story of the journalist and the pharma bro. Thank you, Avrin. I love that story. (gasps) It's crazy. It really is.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Rum Crime.
0: Yes.
1: We will be back with another episode next week, and I can't wait.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
1: Enjoy our podcast. If you do like it, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rom Crime on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can follow Rom Crime on all social media platforms and send us messages for things you'd like us to cover in the future. You can also email us at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Join us for bonus content exclusively on Patreon. We'll see you next Friday for another Rom Crime with Avon and Vanya. Produced, directed, researched, and edited by us. Until next week.